Hello and welcome to a very special edition this week of So What You're Saying Is. I'm very pleased that we have three guests with us today and there is a theme which is going to uh, run through a whole of our conversation and that is the theme of fighting back. Um, the NCF just produced this book, Fighting Back. Uh, it's a collection of 10 essays, my people you'll be very familiar with, Calvin Robinson, Philip Kizzerly, Rafe Hadelmanku, Eric Kaufman, David Starkey. And it's all about how we fight back the tide of woke, the attacks on free speech, and indeed the very, I would say, attack on the foundations of our civilization. Um, my three guests have all shown extraordinary courage in fighting back. Uh, there is Harry Miller from the Bad Law Project, uh, Nick Buckley, uh, who's joining us again, having been on quite recently, and indeed a very recent guest, uh, Amy Gallagher. Um, welcome to you all. Um, and um, I think the viewers will be familiar with your mm -hmm. particular stories. But first of all, I wanted to start actually by asking you, um, Harry, um, you are part of the Bad Law Project. So let's make that Let's, let's define our terms. What exactly is that? Can you say? <clears throat> okay, so the Bad Law Project is looking for those seminal cases, like Amy's, actually. Yeah. Where if we win, then we change something fundamental about our institution. So in, in Amy's case, she's fighting on on critical race theory, um, and if if we if she wins that case, and we're of course supporting that case, then we will have changed something fundamental about our institutions. In this case, it will be that you cannot simply say that all white people are racist. Right. That's the fundamental of it. And, and the Battle Law Project will go through institution upon institution, and where there's a fundamental problem, we'll take a case and we'll fight it and we'll change it. I see, so is it true to say, Harry, that it's, not it's a little bit like the Free Speech Union in that way? No, <clears throat> the Free Speech Union has a model, if you like, of if you're a, if you're a member, and you get attacked by the monster, then the Free Speech Union will come along to rescue you from the monster. I see. What we will do is identify where the monster is, and we'll go in and slay the monster. That's the difference. We're looking for the seminal, the seminal case to kill the monster. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, I think there's no one out there who won't know. But I mean, obviously, you. Uh, went to court actually before, didn't you? The, the Bad Law Project came into into yeah. being, and this was to do with things you'd written. This is a long time ago now. You must be tired of hearing about it. But things you've written, you had a, uh, a visit from the police, which was outrageous, saying we're going to check your thinking and all of that. Um, and but you really did persist, didn't you? And I mean, often against serious odds. So in my case. Um, had the Free Speech Union been around in 2019, they may, might have defended me against homicide constabulary. Right. But what the Bad Law Project does, it, it does what I did, which was go to the root of the problem, which was the College of Policing Hate Crime Guidance, the national guidance. We went in and we destroyed that. That's what I mean by slaying the monster. I see. You're in the process of trying to slay the monster, yeah. aren't you, Amy? Um, I should explain, you, you probably know, Amy was on a few weeks ago, had a huge mm. impact. Um, 300, Amazing, we've had yeah. 300,000 views for your interview. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a third of a million people. I know. Um, <laughs> you're basically fighting back because you found yourself having to deal with things 
in your training as a mm. nurse, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it's, no, it's in my training as a psychotherapist, so I've essentially just disagreed with critical race theory and various other things, um, and I've been, oh, had policies against me, I've had student conduct policies raised against me, I've been suspended, I've been bullied, I've been all sorts of things. Um, essentially been told that I'm not appropriate to become a psychotherapist because I don't agree with critical race theory. So it's essentially the ideology has been forced onto me essentially. Um, so we're, you know, the charges that we're bringing against them are, are discrimination on the grounds of race and religion and philosophical belief because they are forcing this idea, as Harry said, about white people being racist and um, I can't, I'm not even allowed to disagree essentially and they said that that's their official view. So. Yes. Yes. And uh, Nick, uh, you faced, you know, uh, a very difficult time from your own charity that you were running, didn't you? I mean, that again was for things you'd written. One thing, Ivor. One thing. So I, I fell into this by mistake. So I wasn't brave trying to take anybody on and trying to change the world. I wrote an article on Black Lives Matter because they'd just come onto the scene as far as I knew. I didn't know anything about them. So I looked on their website and wrote 600 words little blog on what I discovered on their website and that just went crazy online. And it ended up in you being fired? Fired from the yeah. charity I set up. Mm. The trustees were three long-term friends. Mm. Um, they decided it was better to give the mob my head than the mob turn on them and go after them. So I was a sacrificial lamb mm. to stop the mob in its tracks. And it, and it worked until I decided that I wasn't taking it. And you've been writing books since, haven't you? I mean, I've been lots of things since. I've got two books now. My latest one came out uh, last month called The Making of a Beggar. The Making of a Beggar. Of a Beggar. And that's all about looking at how, as a society, we are becoming more and more reliant on other people, the state, not only to solve our problems, not only just to give us funding and help us live, but to do everything for us, to help mm. us raise our children, to help us make decisions and I've spent 15 years working on the streets with rough sleepers and the homeless yeah. and I'm seeing real connections between how they end up on the streets to how we're ending up as a society. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely not meant anyway as an insult but you know there are lots of people one hears about facing these kind of things who basically may be quite high profile. So, you know, we had Kathleen Stock on in, you know, from Sussex University, as it then was, mm -hmm. and she, her life is being made a mystery. Um, what we get in the New Culture Forum, the kind of uh, responses we get from people is, what do I do if I'm faced with this? What, what is required? How do I fight back, you see? And one of the reasons I wanted to speak to you is that basically you individually did face these kind of terrible circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, did you sort of at any point want to just slink away from what you were facing? I mean, you know, for an easier life, for example? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, as I documented on this programme a couple of years ago, um, I had a, a very long walk over the Humber Bridge uh, where I nearly threw myself off. Um, what had brought you to that stage? That, well, the enormity of taking on not only not only the chief constable of Humberside, but the, the entire police system, the College of yes. Policing. And I, the, the thing is, Peter, I knew that I was in a battle when I took it on. What I wasn't ready for was the was the fact that the police would lie mm. and make up stories in order to shore up their already well. They had a weak case, 
but they're, they're you know they're an enormous organization it's the police um, and they, they they lied in their witness statement um, they said that the entire conversation that I had with PC Gull was made up that the conversation only lasted 10 minutes mm. um, now of course nobody believed that because I rang them I rang them back so I had the phone record and the phone record shows that we were on the phone for 38 minutes not not the brief conversation that they said they had right. that really that really hurt because I felt as though I was a lightweight going in to a boxing match with a heavyweight but then I felt as though they'd got a cosh down the pants yeah. and that really did my head in mm. Mm. Was it, I mean with you uh, Nick you know I, I noticed here that um, you know Harry said he wasn't expecting to be you know to have those lies you know put it put it I just wondered and also Amy mm. have has your attitude towards how this country works has it been altered by your experiences Nick? absolutely um, best way of describing it was I was living in a comfortable bubble yeah I had huge respect for the BBC for the I mean not only just for the police I've trained police officers I used to be based in police stations mm -hmm. Um, I had huge respect for, for many of our institutions and it was only a little bit before what happened to me but mainly because of what happened I started to see these institutions as part of the problem they weren't mm. doing what I thought they were doing they were mm. part of the problem mm. and that was a big wake-up call for me and I, and I found it quite disheartening because I, um, I, I think of myself as very patriotic I love this country they've got proud history I think we do some amazing things but then to see the institutions that I, I loved, that represented my country, being corrupted mm. and being, you know, semi-evil, was, was was quite a shock to me. Mm. Does that go for you too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I didn't think of myself as a naive person. I, I was, you know, aware that bullying and so on and so forth can happen. Um, but I think what was shocking to me is that as further on down, I went through the complaints procedure and I, you know, it got yeah. escalated higher and higher. I was thought someone, as, as we get more serious up the chain of professionals, someone will step in and say, you know, this has gone too far and they'd apologise and they'd say, no, you know, we retract those statements or whatever. Um, but as, as I went all the way up, all the way up to the CEO, they've just, they've just lied and they've just um, minimised it and um, there's been no one that's come in and helped me or supported me. Um, and then even kind of the external bodies, they say that they're, you know, we are an anti-racist organisation, that's the line that they trot out. And when you show them evidence of racism, they just say we are an anti-racist organisation. Um, I thought there have got to be some sane voices that will come in and back me up or at least say, well, you know, we've been a bit, bit harsh here, you know, uh, we're allowed to have an open discussion. But no, it's been, um, it, yeah, it's just been quite extraordinary the way people are quite willing to sack, you know, turn on one person yes. and scapegoat that one person yeah. and not care that they're doing that. That's been quite shocking to me. At what point did you sort of think, anyway, at what point did you sort of think, actually, enough, I'm not taking this, I'm going to do something about it. At what point, when, when did that happen? Well, with me, it was, it was straight away. I, I have a very clear sense of yeah. right and wrong. And I recognise that we come, you know, we have a glorious history of um, of people doing the right thing, doing the right thing, regardless of cost to themselves. Now, I risked, I risked my house, I risked my reputation, I risked my family, I risked relationships. 
but I didn't risk my life. I didn't risk losing a leg mm. or being blinded. Mm. Uh, and of course, that's what our brave soldiers have done in the past. People think about the, the Second World War. We, we, went to, we joined the Second World War because it was the right thing to do, not because we were at any immediate threat from Germany. We could have sued for peace very, very easily. But we went, we went into, into Europe and took the war to Hitler because it was the right thing to do. We were fighting for our principles and our way of life. And coming from that grand tradition, and like you, I see myself as, a, as, a, as, a, as an Englishman, um, I absolutely knew that I didn't have a choice, that the, there's only one thing to do when you come up against a bully, and that is not to back down. Mm. It's to fight them. And that's what I did. So, so for me, there, there just wasn't a choice because the choice of the only choice was to back down, and then I could not have lived with myself. I mm. couldn't have lived with myself. So that's an instinctive reaction mm. in your case. It was the same with in my case, slightly different. Um, I was sacked. All this happened in a couple of days. The, the blog went crazy. People online shout me to be sacked because I'm a Nazi. The board of the charity sacked me. All in a few days. And for the next 10 days, I was in shell shock. Mm. I was a defeated man. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I didn't want to do anything because I made things worse. Did you actually think you were wrong? No, no, no. So you never sort of thought, oh my God, uh, what I said is wrong. You never no. thought that? I, I, I must have thought, I'm sorry, I posted that, even though it was mm. correct. I must mm. have thought that at some point. And then what happened to me was a turning point was a friend phoned me up and said, Nicky, you okay? And um, I went, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. No, you know what's going on, but I'm fine. It's just like you've gone very quiet. It's not like you to be quiet. No, I'd expect you to be fighting back. I'd expect you to be vocal. And I realized then, oh, turned into a bit of a coward, haven't I? And I went to bed that night, wasn't sleeping much anyway. And that night, all I was thinking of was, what are you doing? It's as if you're guilty. Mm -hmm. And I've spent two decades telling kids, you're not a victim. Things go wrong in your life. Stand up, push yourself down, best foot forward, start again. And I had to give myself the talk I've given to 10,000 young men. Yeah. Um, and that's when I decided, I woke up that morning, went right, pen and paper, I need to come up with a plan about how I'm fighting back. I probably won't win, but if I can save part of my reput reputation, that'll help me going forward. Because at the moment I'm unemployable, I'm Nick the Nazi. Mm. And so I started mm. off my fight, trying to save some of my reputation. And as that five week journey went on, it became easier and easier. The mob disappeared once I started fighting back. The board resigned within 18 hours of me challenging them um, legally. They resigned and it was just bang, 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 bang. And I look back and I go, how easy they're all to defeat. Because none of them had skin in the game. It was all virtue signaling. And once they realized there was consequences to their actions, mm. they all went, I'm not mm. playing this game, mate. There's someone else around the corner I can bully a lot easier than that Nick Buckley. <laughs> did you did you ever feel maybe they're right and I'm wrong? Amy? I mean, oh, this is a natural yes, human yeah. reaction for many people. Yes, it's not yeah. When a whole institution's telling you one thing, you have yeah. to sort of doubt yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me it was the fact that they wouldn't even allow a different opinion. So they could say this is our view, but you know they wouldn't even allow. I thought that that's just something inherently wrong with mm. that because. Uh, how can you not allow a discussion? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember after I made my first complaint about this this whiteness lecture where they s said all this kind of racist stuff, and I met with the investigator into my complaint, and she, I was talking about what had been said, and she said, you know, w w the view that all white people are racist, you know, that is the culture and direction we're going in. And I said, 
is that the official policy? And she said, oh, well, we're not sure if it's the official policy, but that is what we think here. I was thinking, you, she's, she's saying, we, the idea that white people are a problem might be our official policy, but we're not sure. And I just thought, this is insane. I just mm. thought, how can you even be talking about that as a policy? Mm. I just thought, I thought this is so, <laughs> this is so insane at this point. And I'd, I'd, you know, I'd already had, um, I'd already looked into the equality, so I think surely this is illegal. Um, to be openly scapegoating a group of people in such an open way. Um, and at that point, I just thought, no, this is a, we've got a legal case coming here mm. because I, I can see that's the direction it's going in because they're actually writing it. In, they're putting it in writing. They're putting it on their website. So I just thought, you know, they're not, they're not willing to even have the debate or discussion. Mm. And yeah, yeah. No. It does seem to me that it requires you know, you said you were, you're not going to be a coward, right? And you've written about it. You've written a book, haven't you? About that? Don't be a coward. Um, it seems to me that, is it right to say, you know, I'm just putting it out, you are not one of the mill people. Or do you, would, you know, in other words, you know, there are going to be people looking and saying, it's all right for you or whatever. But uh, the fact is, I have to make the point, you have a family, don't you? And, 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 and you have families that rely on you. And so, so basically, it's not like you've just got to worry about yourself. Mm. I mean, you know, what would you say to people who are, you know, like they're at their work, mm. you know, to pay the mortgage mm. and everything, and really feel, should, what would you say to them? Would you say, well, actually, maybe given that you, you know, you've got a mortgage and you've got to support your family, maybe let this one go, mm. or, or should they stand up? It depends, really. One, I'd it? say, I mean, it, it's sort of, you'd have to think about it, your individual case. But I, I would say, I mean, it, going through a legal case, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's a very difficult, right. long process to go through. But what I would say is that the support you get is so much more than I was expecting. Where does that come from? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, even if, I was thinking, even if I went through something like this 20 years ago, the option of crowdfunding wouldn't have really been there. You know, mm -hmm. podcasts weren't big 20 years ago, so you can get publicity and exposure so much more quickly and you can mm. raise money so much more quickly. So um, the options there, I think you're in a much better position now because I wouldn't have had the money or the support to do this on my own, but you can you can do it. And like, you know, for me, the confidence came from knowing that people have before, like Harry and Mayor Forstarter and so on, Alison mm. Bailey, had done it. I thought, well, if other people can do it, I can do it. And you sort of follow in their footsteps. You see, you know, okay, they've done crowdfunding. Why well, could do crowdfunding? You know, so it is easier to do it now, I think, than it ever has been, particularly if you don't have the resources yourself. Yes, which um, is most people, isn't it? Yes, Surely? yes. I mean, I mean, a legal case costs hundreds of thousands of pounds. Most people don't have a spare, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, it's it is it is difficult. It, it's just one of those things. You have to you have to be prepared to you know it's, this is going to be a long journey and it's it's a big commitment um, but as Harry said I think it's very important if no someone someone needs to do it if, if nobody does it then nothing changes mm. so you just got to sort of think can I am I going to be the one that puts myself through it and then once you've decided that's it <laughs> you've got to stick to it. The thing is that I mean you know, it seems to me that individually you see these things all add up to a, a bigger whole Yes. You know, if people do this sort of thing, but you know, again, I have to labour this point. What would what would you say to people? You know, who sort of are actually feeling beleaguered because you know you had 
you had actual individual cases mm -hmm. which were concerned you. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a situation at work where, for example, you're you're being made to agree by by implication with things you don't mm -hmm. say, for example. What, what should people do there? When they, when they oh, have yeah. a signature, then they, yeah. you've got to put BLM under it or you've got to put trans stuff under it. What? I, I, I spoke to a bunch of 18 to 26 year olds a few weeks ago with my Vorstatter, actually, and they asked, they asked, what should we do? And my answer to them was nothing. Keep your head down. Keep your head down because I'm at one end of my life where my mortgage, my mortgage is paid, I'm relatively secure, and I'm just that sort. Uh, really, but you're at the beginning of your life. You need to get on the employment ladder. You need to get a mortgage. You need to be able to service the mortgage. You need to be able to slot into a community without being called a Nazi. You, you've got a whole life in front of you. So my advice to most people is keep your head down, but develop your critical thinking. All the time, develop your critical thinking. Keep reading, keep listening. Mm -hmm. Don't be overcome by it. Just keep your sense of self. And then at a certain point, at a certain point, either it will be forced on you and you don't have a choice mm -hmm. to join the battle because mm -hmm. somebody has made you do something which is so egregiously wrong that you can't do anything but mm -hmm. fight, mm -hmm. or you wait and bide your time. Earn some money, give to the crowd funds, mm -hmm. turn up at the rallies, but keep your head down. Now then. There is a group of people who, regardless of the advice to keep out of it, there, there's, a, there's a certain type of warrior class, if you like, who will go ahead and fight. And there are three things that I say to them. One, you need conviction. You need to know what it is you're standing for. Secondly, you need courage because it's gonna be one hell of a fight. And thirdly, and I cannot emphasize this enough, you need community. Three C's. To, yeah, three C's. You need to have a group of people around you who will stand with you, who will cheer you up, who you can talk to, who you can moan, moan to, who will invite you back into the WhatsApp group when you, when you march out in a strop. Um, you, need, you need community. So yeah, three C's. Conviction, courage, and community. And you would, you would go along with that? Would you I'd, I would build on that. So I've spent 20 years promoting personal responsibility with young offenders, with young people in general, with the homeless. It's always about personal responsibility. So I say to me, I ask, I'm asked this question all the time, what, what should we all do? Yeah. There's a million, a billion ways to win a chess game. You don't have to play like a chess master. And I've come up with a phrase that I think I've told you before. Don't be a whinger, be a ninja. A ninja. So, a ninja. Right. So fight sneakily if that's all you can do, but you must be in the fight and I say to people you know if your boss is saying you need to do this training course CRT training course and it's voluntary well don't do it if next week he now says well this week it's compulsory well that's the day next week you phone in sick mm -hmm. and you might lose a day's pay but that's your battle in this fight because when you're in a war when you're in a fight you will take some punches and that's the punch you will take but agreeing with Harry, what we don't need are martyrs. We don't need people losing their job over small, silly things ruining our lives. Because not only will they destroy them, it then sends out the wrong signal to everybody else. Everyone else is scared to do anything then. Yes. Pick your little fight. If that's all you can do mm. is not put your pronouns in your email. Well, that's your fight and you've won that fight. That then will give courage to others to do their little bit. 
And if 70 million people do a tiny, tiny bit, mm. adds up to a tidal wave. Isn't it sort of, uh, you know, yes, exactly. It's, it's actually knowing what you can and cannot do. Mm. I mean, to the extent that, for example, when it comes to pronouns or when it comes to attending uh, one of these unconscious bias training scheme uh, programs, people need to know what their legal rights are. They mm -hmm. can actually find that out quite easily, can't mm -hmm. they? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean you know, if you, if you, do you have to go? When they say it's compulsory, uh, what, by law to do that or by mm -hmm. just simply the, uh, the employer, for example? Yeah, and if, if it is compulsory, are you allowed to disagree? Can, can it, is, it, is there an open debate? You know, are they allowing all sides of the discussion? And those sorts of things. If they're forcing you to adopt a view, um, then, then that's you know that's not acceptable. Um, that's the case with the Mayor Forstarter case. Was that she was fired for her view. It wasn't you know there wasn't a plurality of views that was allowed. Um, and so if they're openly kind of harassing you or discriminating you, you know, mm. then that's when you know the Equalities Act can protect you. I asked you if you you know you, if if it had changed your attitude to the country and the institutions mm. in the country. Um, how have you changed as a result of your fight? I have to be careful not to be cynical, mm -hmm. uh, really, because I, I, my original organisation, Fair Cop, uh, we are Fair Cop on Twitter. We call ourselves Fair Cop because we believe that most cops are fair. The trouble is, you when were you a policeman, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you spend your life battling the police, you can end up with quite a jaundiced view of the police. And I have to keep reminding myself that the vast majority of police officers are not involved in this culture war nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny, tiny, very vocal, rainbow-coloured minority who are having an undue influence over everything else. So it's the battle against cynicism, I find, which is hard because I don't want to think of the police as my enemy. I want to think of the, 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 the Bobby in blue. I want to think of Dixon of Dot Green. Um, I, that's what I want to think. I want to think of the police as being the public and the public being the police that's what i want rather that's than appeal isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah rather than an ideological yeah. top down um paramilitary force which unfortunately that's the way that's the way that we're heading and that's why we're so resistant to it that's why we shake a stick all the time at the police mm. that's why we rail against rainbow rainbow police cars and stuff like that because it's the thin end of a very dangerous wedge. Mm. Mm. And uh, how about you, Nick? I mean, do you, how have you changed? Well, first of all, you write now, and you presumably didn't before. But I yep. mean, uh, have you have you sort of look? Do you look at it and think, think, well, I'm quite pleased I've done that, or maybe I wouldn't have done that, you know, if I had uh, known what I was going to go through, or what? I'm happy the way my life's turned out. I'm one of these people. I don't have. I never have regrets. Right. I think regrets is a waste of time. There's learning from things you do, and you should learn from the mistakes you make or whatever you do. You should learn from it. You shouldn't regret it because it gets you nowhere. So I've spent <clears throat> 20 years trying to improve local communities in Greater Manchester, and I see my fight still doing that now, mm. except I'm trying to have a bigger audience, and I'm trying to have that campaign around personal responsibility so other people then can improve their own lives and get away from waiting for someone else to knock on their door and improve their life and this culture war is just a big part of what's been happening for the last hundred years and it, it's all interconnected what about you mm. i think when i was going through it 
in the last couple of years, I've become a lot less trusting of people. I felt a lot more people like in general. In general, or? yeah, I became you know um, just nervous that anybody could turn on me. Um, I'm feeling much better now, though. I mean, I've had because I've had so much support, and that sort of balanced it out a bit. <laughs> you know, mm, my view mm, of people. Mm. I've had a very negative experience, and then a real amazingly positive experience. Particularly when people are just um, giving me their, you know, donating money. Yeah. People don't even know me, and they're writing me messages, and it's it's that's you know it's unbelievable to mm. receive that kind of support from people. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, what can people do? I think I've had so much m many messages from people in my profession, nurses, psychotherapists, psychologists, saying we agree with you. Um, I can't mm. believe this is happening. I you know I feel like I'm the only one. But there's so many of them saying I feel like I'm the only one. And I think even just when you just voice your opinion, then it gives people other people permission to do the same. Mm. Because every, otherwise, everyone's thinking we're all f thinking this, but no one thinks they all think they're the, the only person that thinks it. Mm. Um, but I've had so many people on training courses saying, you know, I I don't agree with these ideas, but I keep my head down. Um, I've had people speak. I've spoken to people on the phone. Some people in quite senior positions who've said, you know, I'm so glad you're doing this. Don't mention my name to anyone. Don't mm. don't tell anyone you've spoken to me. Yes. There's this there's still this real fear, which is it's really it's really worrying. You know, it's it's really sad to see because the profession my profession is all about being able to talk openly. That's what psychotherapy is. It's a talking therapy. It's it's predicated on freedom of speech and it's become so repressive that people are scared. They're trying to they want to talk to me in secret. They want to you know, they're scared that they they want to do something, they want to speak out, but they don't know how to. But I think if you, you know, if you just say, I'm not sure, even if you just say, I'm not sure about this, mm. another person will say, well, I'm not sure either, actually. I don't, I think this has gone mm. a bit too far. And then people start to feel a bit freer that they can say something. And that's how it starts. It can just be small things, just, just voicing a small dissent can, you know, signal to someone else that, you know, it's okay. Do you think, I mean, just broadly speaking, the, the situation is improved from a few years ago or is it tightening and getting worse? Do you think people do feel freer that they do feel there is a fight back or not? You know, because we go backwards and forwards mm. on this all the time. <laughs> I, I, I think both actually. I think the, um, the foundational, the, the institutions are doubling down. Yeah. Um, mm. I think, but I think they're doubling down because they are detecting a degree of resistance, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and that's 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 what I think. Mm. Yeah. I'm very optimistic. Mm. I think we're in a much better situation now than we were two years ago. Um, I think we'll look back at this time and we'll actually thank Black Lives Matter for they brought all this to a head. Mm. It was all the undercurrent. It was an undercurrent before that. No one in the mm. general public had knew anything about any of this. Mm. I think the problems we've got now it's the backlog that were already in the system that are coming through. Mm. So I think over the next couple of years, we're still gonna get these cases and people go, well, Nick, things aren't changing, things are changing. After a couple of years, those cases will start tapering off because things are changing. The people have woken up, the people have said, we're not having this. It's gonna end up in court, like Amy's case, that will teach people's, people a lesson and things will start changing. The country's been in worse situations than we are now and mm. we always get through it and we always pick the sensible way. So I'm very optimistic. Mm. How about you? Is it, has, your, has your response to your case made you optimistic? Yes, yeah, it has. It has actually. And I think, I think the fact that it's, that it's been pushed so strongly, like, like with Nick, I agree that it's pushed it all out into the open and these ideas are now being scrutinised in a way they haven't before, mm. which needed to happen. 
they've been under the surface, under the radar for decades. Yeah, yeah. And now, you know, people they're, they're out in the open and everybody's, you know, looking at this and saying, well, hang on, no, this doesn't work. It's not right. And the more legal cases there are, the more pushback there yeah. is, the more hopefully we can f finally properly defeat it, you know, yes. and, and you know, relegate it back to where it belongs. And, you know, these obscure theories, radical theories that, you know, shouldn't be dictating your know, whole institutions. Um, and I think I think Harry's right. I think the the institutions are doubling down, but I think they're scared. They're they're realizing actually. It was extraordinary, wasn't it? How quickly uh, that during that BM uh, BLM thing, how quickly they all responded almost in unison. Same sort of messages and everything. Um, thank you so much, you know, for sharing all of those stories. I mean. I don't know about you, but I mean, it makes me feel, you know, like, what is it? Courage speaks to courage everywhere, <laughs> you know. Um, while we're on the seas, conviction, courage, community. That's right, conviction, courage, and community. Uh, thank you very much, Amy. Um, Amy has a crowdfunder, don't yes, you? Yes, We will put the link to that yeah. under this video. Thank you. Your new book is available now? Available now, The Making of a Beggar. The Making of a Beggar and the bad law project harry we are absolutely we are all over everything oh you are <laughs> and so we'll, again we'll put a, a link to that um thank you very very much to amy to nick and to harry um and uh, we shall see you next week on so what you're saying is thank you bye-bye hello if you're enjoying the new culture forum channel and you believe in our mission may i invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.